When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 190 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. Today, Justin interviews Jeremy Werner of the Illini Inquirer about Nebraska's 2020 matchup with Illinois. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website at cnbuffalo.com. We're also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. We're excited to have Jeremy Warner back with us on the show. Jeremy is publisher at Illini Inquirer. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, excited to be talking about football. Uh, eager to have the season come and uh, excited to hear about Illinois. Although I think we first have to start with sadness, which is Lovey shaved his beard recently. Um, so it was maybe a moment of silence. Okay. Why? Uh, is there a rhyme or reason to the beard? Or Yeah, he, he surprisingly grew it out. We saw it at a basketball game about two years ago and it was just we hadn't seen him in just like a week or two and all of a sudden it was just this thick snowy white beard and uh we were all like whoa that's so different because you know, lovey smith didn't just show up at illinois and no one had seen him very much right like he's chicago bears former head coach every one of us has watched him for a decade or two uh so so to see lovey smith with a beard when he never showed one before was pretty uh pretty interesting but then it became kind of his trademark the last two years they yeah. had lovey smith beards they were giving out before one of the games a couple of years ago to the student section uh he'd really let it grow out to like a ridiculous level which uh you know he's so clean cut most of the time and, right. and straight laced and doesn't show a lot of personality so it gave him a little bit of personality it, it did make him look a lot older yeah. Um, the people think, I mean, he's in really good shape. He's in really good health for, uh, you know, he's a 62 years old, but I think people really? think older than, than that sometimes. So uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, it, it was great. And, uh, when he shaved it, he said he shaved it partly because uh, of quarantine and wearing a mask and all oh, of that, sure. uh, but also he's, he's gotten into really good shape. And I think he wanted to show off that, you know, maybe didn't have, to, uh, you know, as much, uh, you know, fat around the neck or anything like that. Gotcha. But, uh, you see, he looks good. Uh, he he looks young. I hope I look like that at 62. I, we, I'd be, I'll be lucky to look that, like that at 52. Right. Um, so, so now that we got the really hard-hitting stuff out of the way. Um, so last year, Nebraska had a come-from-behind come victory at Illinois um, that ended up being maybe our best win of the season. Illinois had not looked that impressive. Um, and then all of a sudden – they were bowl eligible um, before uh, losing the last three. How do you think about last season? 
you know, last season was such a roller coaster ride for Illinois. You know, they lose to Eastern Michigan. Uh, they lose that lead to Nebraska. Uh, then they had a great comeback against Michigan to to kind of tie them up and and, and be competitive in that game. Uh, but they end up being two and four during the first stretch when a lot of people thought they could be four and two or something like that. Uh, so you know, there was kind of the is Lovey Smith going to get a, a fifth season here, even though. Right. He'd taken over such a disaster of a program that we kind of thought this was going to be a five-year thing at the very least. But if, if he had gone three and nine or four and eight last year, I think Josh Whitman, who hired Lovey Smith first day on the job, making a big move like that, I think he would have had to really consider it because fans just weren't in the corner. Uh, but then they get that Wisconsin win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they win a couple games they need to win in Purdue and Rutgers. Uh, but then they go to Michigan State and have one of the greatest comebacks the greatest comeback in, in Illinois history based on points. So um, it turned the season around, but then they kind of ended the season poorly. You know, they had a lot of injuries towards the end of the year, especially on offense, uh, and they lose three in a row. So at the end of the day, they did what Illinois fans wanted them to do, what they wanted to do, which was go bowling. Yeah. How they got there was both thrilling and a little disappointing yeah. at the same time. Uh, so it's kind of like you look back at last year and say, okay, they did what they needed to do. But you go into year five still having big question marks. But I, I don't know how we look back on that Nebraska game, whether it was like a sign of things to come that, hmm. hey, this team's a lot better. But I think locally we thought this team would be a lot better than probably nationally people did. Um, but also it was a huge missed opportunity that if Illinois wins that game, if Illinois beats Northwestern at home, you're talking about an 8-4 season where people are looking at Illinois a lot differently and, and maybe you could sell that a lot differently in recruiting. So last year was also had, had these like great moments where Illinois won some games you didn't expect them to win, but they also missed some opportunities to make it even better. I mean, that, that Wisconsin upset was almost – was that the, the update, uh, upset of the season in college football? It's the biggest upset by the spread that uh, Illinois football has ever had. And I think it was uh, for the season of all college football. I mean, uh, it was an impressive victory from from the start of the game to the finish. It wasn't just one great comeback mm-hmm. at the end, kind of like Michigan State was. Uh, Illinois battled them. They, they forced turnovers on Jonathan Taylor. You know, in the trenches, they were competitive against the Wisconsin team. And, you know, they never – at two and four – Everyone was kind of giving up on the season, and they certainly didn't. So you got to give Lovey Smith and his staff a lot of credit for that. And that's kind of a, a, a quintessential Lovey win in terms of getting turnovers, opportunistic defense, uh, limiting the opposing offense, and then and getting getting points when you can and eking it out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all takeaway ball with, with Lovey. And, and during that win streak, they were ridiculous at it. Um, I, I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but the I think they had like a plus 12 takeaway or turnover margin during that that win streak and had several defensive touchdowns. They, they led the country in defensive touchdowns. They were number four, I believe, uh, in takeaways. And, and for Bears fans, that, that's what Lovey Smith does. Um, you know, he, he tells recruits that, you know, what's the goal of every play on defense? It's not to get a takeaway. It's not to, to stop them behind the line of scrimmage. It's to score. Mm, so wow. that, is, that is his philosophy, that this is you can score, you need to be aggressive, that's what they do. Uh, and when they win the takeaway battle, obviously most teams win. So that, that's why it's been such a focus. And the offense deserves a lot of credit for that too because games against Purdue, games against Rutgers – they didn't have to put up big numbers, but they just took care of the ball, uh, and that allowed their defense and uh, allowed them not to make mistakes and uh, allowed them to win those games. So it kind of goes on both ends, both offense and defense. 
Yeah, you mentioned streaks there, and I think we'll just kind of leave the 2019 season with this. And a two-win game, two-game win streak to start the season, four-game losing streak, followed by a four-game winning streak, followed by a two-game losing streak for the regular season plus the bowl loss. So it was a season of runs uh, for good and for ill. And uh, so there's that. So let's let's uh, move forward now. I uh, I think you mentioned earlier that. Um, there was there were no spring practices this year, so recognizing that you have not seen anything, um, I'm curious what you see as uh, strength and weaknesses of this team uh, with you know fall coming up. Yeah, the great thing for Illinois is you know really for the first time in a Lovey Smith team because he built through high school recruiting, didn't take a lot of transfers. He had young teams his first couple seasons here, especially 2017 when they were two and ten. Uh, 2018 they were four and eight. They started a bunch of true freshmen, a bunch of sophomores, just a bunch of underclassmen. This season they have one of the oldest rosters in the Big Ten. They're returning starters everywhere. So just that maturity, being in a program for four or five years, having the same offensive coordinator now going into a third year, having the Lovey Smith defense for a fourth or fifth year. I just think that stability and that age and maturity and strength. Uh, I think that's a huge uh, advantage for Illinois against some teams uh, in the Big Ten. But uh, I think the strength, uh, I'm going to start with the back seven on defense. Okay. Jake Jansen, Mule Eifler return at linebacker. So they lose Delay Harding, who is a first team linebacker. But those guys return and are big time playmakers. In the secondary, they're very experienced. Nate Hobbs, Tony Adams, Sidney Brown are all multi-year starters. All get a lot of takeaways. Um, so I, I think that back seven, Lovey Smith ball, we talk about takeaways, those guys are able to do it. On offense, uh, this is the best offense Rod Smith, the offense coordinator, is going to have in three years. Uh, and the biggest difference for Illinois going into this year than really any Lovey Smith year here is that their starting quarterback returns, and he's coming off a good year. Uh, Brandon Peters, the former Michigan transfer, uh, returns for another season. He gained a lot of confidence at the the end of the year. Was up and down at times throughout the season. Uh, But, uh, you know, touchdowns, 18, interceptions, 8. That's a good ratio. That's a really good ratio for what Illinois has had here recently. And showed some toughness in the run game. Was a little bit more athletic than people thought. But I just thought he gained confidence in himself. And I thought he gained a lot of respect from his teammates, especially with some of the clutch plays he made against Wisconsin, Michigan State and some of the tough plays he made later on in the season. At wide receiver, another transfer, Josh Baby from USC, led them in receiving last year. He returns for a second year as a grad transfer, plus two of their starters at receiver, Ricky Smalling and Trayvon Sidney. They were gone the back half of the season when Illinois made this run. So to get that talent back is big. They had a former top 100 prospect, Luke Ford, who was at Georgia, and Georgia wanted to keep him, but he transferred to Illinois, closer to home, closer to his parents. And he's going to add their best tight end they've had in a very long time to go along with Daniel Barker. They lost a couple of their their top running backs, Reggie Corbin, a lot of people know, Dre Brown, but Mike Epstein's another guy who's hurt all of last year and probably was their best running back going into last year. Chase Brown's a Western Michigan transfer, but the strength of the offense actually is their offensive line. Really, a lot of people don't think of Illinois offensive line play here recently, but they returned four or five starters, and I think multiple of those guys are going to play in the NFL. 
Alex Palczewski is an all-Big Ten guy. Kendrick Green, their guard's an all-Big Ten guy. Doug Kramer uh, is going to be in that conversation as one of the centers. So um, they are pretty loaded up front uh, for at least one year here where they yeah. have a lot of experience and, and their run game should be higher. So their, their offense just gets health. They return a lot of talent and they add some talent via the transfer portal. So I expect their offense, which was not good last year, to take a big step forward. Uh-huh. People are questioning the defense – can they get that takeaways again? Can they get as many defensive takeaways again and, and defensive touchdowns? Um, I, the, the numbers would say they won't get as many, but they should be still pretty good at it. You focused on the defensive back seven. Is what, What's the status of the D-line? That's a different story. Okay. <laughs> uh, Illinois loses almost all its starters on the okay. defense. Line. Uh, and they were not expecting to lose Olawoli Batiku, again, another transfer. Uh, they, they've gotten a lot of transfers here the last couple of years. Uh, but he came from USC, was a former five-star recruit, had nine sacks last year to lead the team, had, I think, seven in the first four games, including one against Nebraska. But he really cooled off after that. He entered the draft, didn't get drafted, got signed by the Giants. But it was a little bit of a surprise that he left. Uh, so they weren't expecting to lose him. They lost a couple other veterans as well. So they're very unproven. Up okay. front. Um, so they return nine of 52 starts from last year. So that, that the defensive line is the big question, which, of course, in the Big Ten uh, is going to be a problem. Critical, yeah. Huh. Uh, I, I feel like just, and I, I don't follow recruiting uh, much, um, but it can, you kind of feel like you hear a lot of with transfers coming into Illinois. Um, I feel like charitably you could say that's a strategy for Lovey, and maybe like uncharitably it's like a, a last ditch effort. Like, what do you make of that? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, okay. you know, I think it's a little bit of both. He actually didn't do it early when we thought he should have. Uh, Jeff Brom did it very successfully in getting transfers that, you know, excuse me, helped get early wins, which helped get more recruits, which helped, you know, build some momentum in the program and help earn him a lot of money. Um, but Lovey Smith didn't, didn't win, and that's made it harder to recruit prep prospects. But I, I do think that with the transfer portal and just kind of more guys entering the portal here in the last couple of years, I think he saw like, hey, would we rather – if we have five or six scholarships at the end of a class going into you know January, February, we'd rather take some risk, risk guys who are borderline power five prospects for four years when they might not ever make a, a contribution, or we'd rather go find somebody who's more proven and, and just fill a short-term need. Plus, yes, they needed to win last year. Yeah, Some of their best players, Abator Bebe, Brandon Peters, Richie Pettibone was an Alabama transfer that started all the games in the offensive line. Batiku, uh, most of those guys um, were huge players for them. They might have won three or four games if they didn't have those guys. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of both. But I do think every year, Illinois is going to leave open five scholarships for transfers. Okay. Just because you can get those short-term guys. They're higher floor guys than some risky prospects you might take uh, via the prep route. And, uh, you know, with so much attrition anyway, you can kind of just address the short-term need there. Okay. Interesting. Sounds like Lovey's trying to bring some of his NFL experience to bear on the on the college game. So I've, I've kind of called them the Hoiberg of college football. Because right. Hoiberg's done that for years. Sure, sure. Um, so looking here at the uh, 2020 schedule, uh, pulling that up here. Uh, so start off with uh, three games that seem winnable. Uh, Illinois State, UConn, Bowling Green at home, go to Rutgers, also winnable, come to Nebraska. I feel like that's been homecoming the last number of years. I don't know if it is this year. Um, host Purdue, host Minnesota, go to Wisconsin, host Iowa, go to Indiana, 
uh, host Ohio State, go to Northwestern. So you get uh, Rutgers, Indiana, and uh, who's the other crossover here? Ohio wow. State. Yeah, so uh, two or three ain't bad. Um, wh- what do you think is possible with this schedule? Well, this is the easiest non-conference schedule Illinois has ever had. Uh, yeah. It's a good FCS team, but it's an FCS team. Yeah. UConn is atrocious. Uh, Bowling Green is still in the middle of a rebuild. So they should be 3-0. and Now, we thought that last year and they lost Eastern Michigan, but they should be 3-0. and Rutgers, I, I, you got to point that in as a W. They should be favored in that one, but it's on the road. Illinois has done well at Rutgers, uh, but they do have a lot of transfers coming in, so I'm really interested to see. Uh, I think that's going to be a competitive game, more so than people probably think. That Nebraska game is kind of the swing game. Um, yeah. You know, if they start 5-0, and I think you go in home uh, against Purdue, who you beat last year with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Probably the chance to have a ranking uh, if, if you go 6-0. and And all of a sudden, people talking about, look at what Lovey Smith's doing at Illinois. Is this yeah. the team? Is this the Minnesota team? And I think they are capable of that. Um, they have talent. Uh, the, I think in the, Illinois' talent kind of goes under the radar because people just see Illinois and think, well, it's Illinois. It's mm-hmm. a bottom of the Big Ten West team. But I think Illinois is in, in the same tier, to be honest with you, at least for this year with Nebraska, with uh, you know Purdue, possibly Minnesota, but obviously with Northwestern too. I think they're in that tier. I think the Big Ten West has probably five teams at the bottom where anybody can finish kind of in between those. You know, you saw last year, Illinois-Nebraska was a good game. Uh, Illinois-Purdue was a good game last year. Uh, Illinois and and Northwestern should have been if Illinois showed up for that game. But um, I I think Illinois, with this schedule, they got to get going early. I I think the goal has got to be at least five wins in the first six. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because then in the back half of the schedule, you do have Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana on the road. I, I think that's a winnable game, but on the road. Ohio State at home. And then Northwestern seems to be a, a toss-up most times. So I think Illinois is capable of being a surprise team this year. Yeah. I also think they're capable of finishing at the bottom of the Big Ten West. It's just there's very little, I, I think, separating all these teams in the West. Yeah, there are no easy outs in the Big Ten West uh, at this point. Um, and, yeah, that I, I, I totally agree. I mean, if, you, if, if they can beat – Rutgers and beat Nebraska and come into Purdue with some momentum win there. I mean, you're sitting three and own conference with uh, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa on, on tap. I mean, it, it sets up really, it kind of sets up like Minnesota's right. schedule did last year. Um, right. Yeah. And in Minnesota, I mean, I don't know how many people love PJ fucking Nebraska. People don't like them here in Champaign, yeah. but you got to give them credit. They had an easy early schedule. They took advantage of that. And then they kind of gained momentum and gained confidence right. as the season went along. And of course they, they lost some games to better opponents late in the season. But yeah, I think if they start five and Oh, I think they can win. You know, some of the games that we don't think they're going to win moving forward, just because they'll have that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, kind of final question here. We, I talked to, uh, friends at the eyes on big podcast before I started talking to all the beat reporters and, and got a, some questions from them for each of the teams we're going to play. And um, just looking at recruiting um, how, how much, how many years do you think that Lovey gets to continue to it, assuming this uh, transfer portal, assuming that works, like how many years do you think he gets to figure that out? Are you just talking about, you know, before Lovey's on the hot seat or just uh, like how long do you think he goes with the transfer heavy classes? Um, 
how how much uh yeah how much space does he have yeah. to experiment with the transfer portal to keeps working he's going to keep doing it okay. and that's what he said yeah i asked him about it in february and he's like hey we, we figured out something that works for us and we're going to keep trying it um so i again i think he's going to leave open uh scholarships and that's going to affect where illinois is on the recruiting rankings. right right uh, you know, the more guys you get, the quantity you get, the better it is. He doesn't care about that. Um, right. He cares about wins. And when you can go out and, and get a, a former four-star wide receiver like they did this offseason with Brian Hightower, well, that's a way to get that kind of talent here if you can't win those in prep. Sure. Now, of course, you'd, start to, you'd love to start winning more of those top 500, uh, four-star, five-star battles, which Illinois hasn't done. I think they're good at evaluating. They're good at finding power five traits. They're doing well in Florida. Uh, they've gotten some kids out of Texas, St. Louis. They're doing terribly in their own state. Mm. Uh, and that, I think, is going to need wins. I think that's going to need more relationships there. But uh, the transfer portal is a way for them to win. Uh, I think for programs like you've seen Oregon State do this. You've seen SMU do this. Some programs that are at the bottom and, and find it hard to crawl out of there through prep recruiting, I think that's just provided them an avenue to where, hey, this is how we can get a Luke Ford, a top 100 talent. Sure, sure. How we can get a Matt Torbebe, a top 200 talent, or Brandon Peters, who's the number 60 prospect in his class. That's how we can get them here. And maybe we only got them for two or three years or maybe – you know, one year, yeah. but if they can make a bigger impact than some, you know, number 700 prospect that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. They contribute more to winning. Sure. It's good. It's a, it's a high risk, high reward, uh, kind of innovative, uh, approach. But when, as you're saying, when you're at the bottom and you're trying to compete with everybody head to head, it hasn't worked for a long time. I mean, I can appreciate Let's, let's try something new. The question is, is how sustainable is it? Right, right, yeah. That's the question is last year they hit the jackpot. I mean, they had connections to kids at USC and landed three of them that were former top 200 guys. Yeah. Brandon Peters became available late in the process and they were able to get him. Um, they aren't going to have that kind of hit rate every year. And this okay. year- It's a good perspective. Yeah. yeah, the cycle, which wasn't as good for them. Uh, they needed defensive linemen and, and so far they've only gotten one. Um, who couldn't play at Cal. So it hasn't been as fruitful this time around. Uh, so that I don't think you can count on that every year, uh, which is why the high school recruiting and, and filling in that way. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Good answer. Good, good, good details. Well, uh, Jeremy, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. Um, how can our listeners find uh, your content that you're putting out about, uh, about the Illini? Yeah. IlliniInquire.com, 24 seven sports there. And uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at jwerner247. And that's Warner, W-E-R-N-E-R, not, not like the uh, – The Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have uh, Kurt Warner's son plays at Nebraska, so oh, that's the other, the other Warner. Um, great. Well, hey, thanks, thanks for making time. Great talking to you. Always appreciate it, man. Take care. Thanks again to Mr. Werner for joining us on the podcast, and many thanks to our sponsors. If you haven't already done so, be sure to like Central Nebraska Buffalo's page on Facebook. Just this past week, they posted a video of a bison calf along with some interesting facts about newborn bison. I thought it was pretty interesting, and you might too. And of course, you can always place your order at cnbuffalo.com. Get yourself some bison meat. Also, whether you're buying or selling a home, Monty Rohde of Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln is ready to guide you through the process. 
I don't know what time you listen to podcasts, but if it's during reasonable business hours, I'm happy to report that Monty is ready and willing to take your call. Again, his phone number is 402-770-3356, and you can also email him at monty.rode, that's R-O-H-D-E, at prglincoln.com. It's never too early to start cultivating a trusted relationship with your realtor, so why not reach out today? Get on it, folks. All right, that's it for this week. I know it's kind of short and sweet. I don't have Justin to, you know, banter with, but uh, he'll be back next week, I'm sure, or if not next week, very soon. Um, He just couldn't make it this week, and all I have to say to Justin is, if you're listening, congratulations, buddy. I'll let you share the news next week. He's not going anywhere, folks. He's still part of the podcast. He just needs a a, a short break, and he'll be back soon. Uh, But yeah, we love you, Justin. Looking forward to having you on the podcast again. Go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.